0: All right, welcome to the very first Twins Insider podcast. Thanks everybody for uh, tuning in to the uh, inaugural uh, edition. Uh, Michael Rand, I am joined today by a Twins beat writer, longtime beat writer Lavelle E. Neal III. Lavelle, how's it going?
1: So, if this is a podcast, does that mean I can swear?
0: No, it does not mean you can swear. Same <laughs> oh. same standards apply <laughs> as uh, as uh, as apply to. What you write in the Star Tribune, what you write in a blog, or even on Twitter—think of it as think of it, as, right, th- I, think, think of it uh, as think of it as maybe Twitter standards, which should no, be. The, I, don't which,
1: know if I, want, I don't know if I want to be a part of this. Now. Which, I'm, I'm, which. I'm, thinking, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <I'm just>
0: <laughs> oh man, we're off to a terrible start. We're 40 seconds into our very first podcast, and I've already <laughs> lost one of my two co-hosts. We'll also have uh, throughout the year. We'll also have Phil Miller uh, joining uh, joining the fray. Either uh, we've got Lavelle. Uh, via the uh, the hotline today uh, once the season starts hopefully we'll get to these guys in studio uh, from time to time as well but uh, Lavelle obviously down in Fort Myers covering spring training um, you know right off the bat Lavelle maybe give me some of your just early impressions of camp I know camp's been open for a couple weeks now they've been playing games for for about a week what, what are some of the, just the, the the generic general things that have kind of caught your eye uh, so far in twins camp?
1: Uh, just speaking of generalities, a couple of things. One, um, there's an incredible amount of athletes in camp. I, it just seems to me that I don't remember uh, just the physical talent in here, the speed. You know, like, I, I don't know if it's because of, there's so many Latin players in the, in the system now that have hit the 40-man roster, but it seems like everybody can run, a lot of people can throw, um, even the big hefty guy like Sano can get out there and run with, with, the, with some of the speedy guys, it's it's been impressive, and there's a lot of power here in camp. I mean, uh, Arcia is a different man. He's really put his body, great head, put his body in shape this year. I had a conversation with Arcia yesterday, and he was actually eating yogurt while I was talking to him the first. <laughs> That's you different. Know, I, him. <laughs> it just showed it was a seminal moment here, and, and how the how Arcia is going about <laughs> doing things this year. Um, like You know, he can hit the ball over the fence. Uh, of course, Buxton. I mean, I'm yep. sorry, uh, Sano. Sano,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, Kenneth Vargas. Uh, Young ho uh, Park. Um, Carlos Quinton's got power. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing a call. Uh, Max Kepler can drive the ball a little bit. Uh, Eddie Rosario can hit it. You know, mm-hmm. Poop's got power. Dodgers has yeah. got 20 home run power. It's just it's a, lot of, a lot of power in this camp, and, and that's what's kind of stood out to me. And the third thing is, uh, the young pitchers in camp. I'm not used yep. to seeing uh, um, the Nick Birdie guy yep. and the AJT Chagua guys. and <laughs> Those guys who can throw 95 to 100 miles an hour. Power pitching and power hitting and mm-hmm. athleticism, it kind of just stands out to me in this camp.
0: Well, that's interesting to me because, I mean, I think over the past few years, we had seen an erosion of the quote-unquote, Twins way not necessarily by choice but just because their players weren't as good they were making a lot of mistakes in the field they'd gotten away from the good pitching good defense kind of because they just lacked the players now it seems like maybe the organizational philosophy has has shifted some i've noted that from some of the early writing that you and Phil have been doing from camp you know they're not afraid to strike out they're bringing in these power arms they're they're going to hit the ball over the fence Th- these are not the twins of the you know the mid to late Two thousands that were winning all those divisions under under Gardenhire certainly those were talented teams but they were built differently this this feels like a much different kind of roster construction by design
1: yeah I, I think they addressed the, the the pitching issues you know but, and they they were arguing against against us but the numbers suggested that they loved the fact they had so many. Spot hitting control guys who could put the ball in play. They had a good defense behind them, right? And um, they were able to grind their way through through games. I, you know, they had the rotation set up to be Nick Blackburn, Kevin Sloy, and, and uh, Scott Baker for years. You know, right. They thought those that was, was going to be like a quarter rotation for years to come. Of course, uh, all those three, all three of those pitchers, you know, never found their way. I think Sloy just could never figure things out as far as change of speed, and Baker and Blackburn started having injuries, and they didn't right. much of a career. As far as drafting power pitchers, they did it once in a while, and right. those pitchers would go Kapui and never reach the majors. But uh, they've made a concerted effort in a, in the last couple of drafts, or at least two of the last four drafts, to get more power in the organization. And they know that that means they have to spend higher higher round picks instead of
0: yeah. hoping
1: they get lucky with a seventh-round guy. they got to spend a second-round pick or a first-round right. pick or, or a sandwich pick on someone who has potential to throw a ball, you know, through a brick wall. Sure. And, and you're seeing that. Uh I think twenty thirteen twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen, one of those drafts, they basically drafted an entire bullpen. It was like birdie and all these right. guys are just relievers, who threw hard, needed needed to work under control and come up with a secondary pitch. And so but surely it's been working out and they're on the verge of breaking through to get to the major league level. So um the partying thing, I think it runs in cycles. Sure. Um um uh, Vargas they took a flyer on. Remember Kenneth Vargas was an undrafted free agent out of Puerto Rico. Right. So Puerto Rico's part of the draft and so he right. went through twenty five innings and not uh drafted. twenty
0: five rounds, yeah.
1: Yeah, twenty four rounds. Did I say innings? You did. Six That's blocks. okay. That's fine. My bad. twenty five rounds, uh wasn't drafted and he was a big blob who had one tool which was to hit the ball a ton. Right. You know he was like two hundred and ninety pounds, they've slowly worked on his body and he's he's become a guy who is at least a threat to be on a major league roster. So now we know about his power. Um, you know, Ploof has developed power. Dozier, when he came through the system, he was never on the top 100 list. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was never enough for hitting for power, but he's a 20-something homer guy here. So yeah. sometimes you get lucky with guys evolving in, into something different than you first thought. But they they have tried to address uh, some guys. They try to add some guys to hit the ball with a So, yes, I think in recent years they've looked out more for the power guy.
0: Did uh, Do you think Terry Ryan came to this willingly? Uh, grudgingly, because it is kind of the way of baseball. Baseball's gone a lot in that direction in you know in recent years with you know with the power the power arms the the power bats you know focusing not so much on you know singles and doubles and hitting the ball the other way but hitting it over the fence getting on base. When, when you know Terry's kind of old school uh, <laughs> to the extreme in, in some of his in some of his doings. Do you think he did did he how did he come to put together this roster?
1: Well, I, I think it's it's been a combination of factors, you know. And, um, when you end up draft, when you end up finishing with a terrible record for four straight years, like the Twins did, you're in the top five a lot. Yep. So you, you you're in position to draft, you know, one of the best prospects every year, and it, it, it's like Seattle. Seattle stunk for so long, and in, until they were able to draft a Rod and draft some other guys, and and end up uh, putting together some nice teams in the nineties. Uh, and then the Twins, I think, you know, they had, they benefited from having high draft picks where they could focus on the top players and, and the, to try to restock the farm system with. But, uh, you know, the work as far as putting together a team through the draft it's not just the first couple rounds. Right. So the players you hit with in rounds five and 15 kind of define how that draft goes for you. And it looks like they've been able to find a few guys who could, um, who can help out the major league team. So it's been a little luck, but I think the whole addressing the power thing. Has been an issue. Um, Terry's not a big free agency guy, right? I think he saw sense of urgency with the starting rotation mm-hmm. and had to pit patch holes. And this starts a few years ago when he made the trades to add to bring in Alex Meyer mm-hmm. and Vance Worley and Trevor May. You know, right. one offseason he traded his two center fielders, Denard Spann, right. and Ben Revere to get these guys. And they saw what they didn't have, and I'm sure they got fed up and said, "Look, look what." Baseball said, "Look where baseball said it. You see these pitchers with big arms, yep. were poor par guys. They were top prospects. We don't have these. Obviously, we screwed up the draft. We've got to address this." So, and Terry, Terry said, "In order to get power pitching in an organization, you maybe you may have to go get it young." And at the time, Alex Meyer was an eight ball, right? And that's why he gave up Span. Now, uh, the funny part is about that trade. If I digress, is that national fans were upset because they right. had dreams of Alex Meyer being in the same rotation with Steven Strasburg, yep. and that would be their version of. You know, like having Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling just dominating people and striking out everybody. Sure. But, of course, as we've seen, uh, Alex Meyer has trouble repeating his mechanics, and he's no longer a starting pro- pro- uh, prospect. He's trying to thrive as a reliever. Where he can still throw 96-97, so we'll see if that works out. Right. Um, some people are upset over the Ben Revere trade because Vance mm-hmm. Worley, really a former opening day starter for the Twitter <laughs> But it looks like oh, May man. is going to have a future in this organization, either as a reliever, most likely, oh, sure. as a starter. Um, it looks like because he's got four pitches. So eventually, May is going to be in the rotation, right? So, and I'm, I'm I make that trade a hundred days out of a hundred days. Yeah, I agree. You're trading a guy who has two tools: the ability to hit for average and run, has no arm and no power. Right. And you got back two starting pitchers. I will make a trade like that every day. Oh, absolutely. So, so, um, you know, so, and then they tried to. Uh, fixed rotation through free agency. We saw how that happen, and also remember that Ricky Nolasco,
0: yeah, was
1: the third highest rated starting pitcher on the free agent market when the Twins signed. Yeah, you know, so so everybody thought, well, at least we're getting the steady guy, and of course that has not worked out. And no. That is the hit and miss That's... aspect of trying to <laughs> sign a free agent. It's pretty much the opposite um, of
0: worked out right now.
1: Right, and I, I think Irvin <laughs> Santana probably would have worked out <laughs> yeah. if uh, he had a full season. And he still kind of worked out because he had an impact when he joined the team during the second half of the season. He did and He's got so, more
0: years left too, obviously. So,
1: exactly. So, you know, I, I think this started about five years ago when Terry looked down the line and said, "We need pitching. We need front line starters. All we got is Kyle Gibson coming up. <laughs> we need to we need right. to work on this." And and I think that's when he started putting the the, the seeds in place. And we also I have to, have to get I have to give a not to Bill Smith because Bill Smith was actually the one who signed uh, Miguel Sano, mm. uh, Max Kepler, and Ori Polanco. And interesting. All three of those guys. And, now, and all three of those guys, you know, Sano's in the majors, sure. Kepler, and Polanco are in the top 10 prospects list. Interesting. So you can see the different ways that this team has come together.
0: You mentioned uh, Trevor May. He's an interesting character to me and a good way to kind of get into maybe a little discussion here about the starting rotation. I, I think he's. I don't know if if he's maybe better suited for the bullpen at least right now just because he he is a a known power arm on a team that doesn't necessarily have that those kind of arms yet ready to contribute at the major league level and also because yeah. they've got a little bit of rotate I don't know if I want to call it rotation depth but they've got rotation options. Uh how do you see the the starting 5 shaking out and what do you ultimately think is uh, is going to happen with Trevor May this year and going forward?
1: Okay, well, first of all, my personal preference would have been to bring in another quality reliever yeah. and put May directly in the competition for a starting spot in the rotation. Sure. I think I would have done that. But I can see where the Twins are decided to go the way they did. One, I think Mahler got into a point in the middle of the season, late July, early August, where um, he wasn't sure he could rely on to protect leads late in games. And May uh, was an option to put in the bullpen and he actually did well there. And I think the manager uh, found a comfort level with using Trevor May, and that's why May will likely be in the bullpen this year uh, to start. Um, two, they already said that Santana's in the rotation, that Phil Hughes is in the rotation, that Kyle is in the rotation, and somewhat surprisingly, they have announced that uh, Kyle probably will be in the rotation. That leaves one spot for Ricky Nolasco, who probably won't win, and Tommy Wimelow, who's out of options. Right. Which adds another way to this. So, it, in a strange way, you may have your starting five already. Right. Uh, be, just because of who they've said should already have jobs. Um, and that should put Nalaska on the outside. And maybe and maybe because of that, that's why the Twins, you know, or Terry Ryan's willing to have Molly, to let Molly put May in the bullpen. Because he knows that he, he has five spots that are pretty much locked up. And that also leaves Jose Barrios, who may be more talented than all of them, on the, on the outside, warming in Rochester. Wait for someone to fall on their face or get injured to be called up. And it will happen because there's no way you can get through a season with just five starters. That just does not happen in baseball. So they'll need to have someone come up and give them 12 to 15 starts. And that very well could be Jose Barrios.
0: Are they, you think they're, are they concerned at all about the, the, the clock starting on, on Barrios? I know they, I know it's a sensitive area in, in baseball right now. Would that factor in the decision? Or have they kind of boxed themselves into a place where they can justify making that decision?
1: Mike, I get that question a lot, and I get that from readers on Twitter, yeah. uh, at Lavell Neal, and on the Trek <laughs> website. Um, through the year, uh, oh, they won't call up Barrios, and it's like July and August because they don't want to start the clock. And I argue against that, right. but at the beginning of the year, that is definitely a factor. I think with several teams in Major League Baseball, the Cubs did with Chris Bryant last; has started a firestorm. Yep, I would not be surprised if the reason Barrios is in Rochester partially is because uh, they don't want to get that clock started and. Um, and and lose him to arbitration early. So, right. yes, I think it is a factor in the beginning of the year. After you get in mid-May or so, then it's no longer a factor. Okay. How do you
0: th- what do you think the I mean I keep hearing from people I remember I think I remember the the Tory Hunter press conference talking to Tom Kelly a little bit. He still thinks mm-hmm. that they need to get better at pitching. Their pitching needs to be better. The rotation needs to be better. Sounds like they're still at the same time kind of committed to a lot of holdovers can can the can the rotation be good enough to be what they want it to be and to be a, a contending team this year
1: i think the rotation uh is built to grind a team through a regular season okay it lacks a number one star sure it, which is may, hard to find you may, argue, you may argue it doesn't have a quality number two star sure <laughs> you know but um you know, Hughes can pitch. You know, nearly 200 innings and win 15 to 17 games if he's on. Yeah, um,
0: it isn't even near. Irma
1: Santana, yeah, that's right. Irvin Santana has a track record of throwing 190 plus innings. Right. Um, uh, Gibson. Kyle Gibson's in that in, on that pace too to get in that 200 inning range. Um, Tyler Duffy ended up throwing 199 innings between AAA hmm. and the majors last no,
0: year. I don't think I realized that. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. And you know, he threw 174 at Rochester and 25 with the Twins after they decided to let him blow through sure. um, their their imaginary wall when they were fighting for a right. playoff spot. And Duffy was the best thing going. Right. So um, Tommy Malone, I think, threw 190 innings, like in his first full season with Oakland. He hasn't gotten there since sure. he's had. He either hasn't pitched well or he's had injuries. So, right. um, but so you got four guys. We're assuming that we're going to just take it for granted. Duffy definitely into a rotation. You got four gentlemen who can throw between 190 and 210 innings, right. and if they if they do that, that means they're doing something right to stay on the field. And if they're staying on the field, that means they're they're pitching into the sixth, or seventh inning. Right. Which means your bullpen's not getting blown out. So right. I, could, I could, with this, in this particular year with this particular uh, rotation, I can see that happen. They're, they're, most of these guys are either you know 27 to 32. Mm-hmm. They're kind of. Still young, in the primes of their mm-hmm. career, then, and they should be able to do it.
0: Yeah, is Nalasco just sunk cost at this point? Well, what do you What do you do? I think so.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, it's going to be very interesting to see how he reacts if he if he finds out he's going to be in a rotation and start the season. Will he accept that role? Will he ask him to be moved? Um, I I know the Twins told me. You know, so Twin sources told me during the winter meetings that they weren't trying to trade him. I took that as they kind of looked around to see if anybody was interested. <laughs> Got nothing in return. I would think so, event. yeah. we're not trying to trade it. <laughs> That's how I took that. I um, mean, basically, yeah,
0: he, he's, yeah. he's got two years left, right? Is that right? Yeah, it's two years
1: after this one. With, oh, and, uh, at, two, years, has, two
0: years after this one? Uh,
1: this is, I'm sorry, this is his third year with the yeah, team. Yeah, this is so, his third year. Yeah, one year after this. Right. Yeah. So he uh, he's, he's
0: maybe gets a little bit closer to tradable at a certain point if another team's trying to move something. But there's you're not going to you're not gonna <laughs> get value. You're going to get something back that someone else wants to get rid of. But,
1: Everybody's screwed here because the Twins have to keep him in his salary on the on the, on the payroll. The last pro- unless there's injuries or someone really falls in their face, he's going to be in the bullpen. Right. How can you improve your value pitching out of the bullpen?
0: Right. He, so he, he pitched so poorly that they have they had no choice but to get other people. And now there's no spot for him, even if he could pitch well.
1: Yeah, I. So I. I don't know how the, this is going to be the one situation worth watching right at the beginning of the year. About how uh, this Nolasco thing that coming out of the bullpen is going to work, because right. uh, I hope he looks in the mirror and realizes he hasn't pitched his way. He hasn't pitched this way into a position where he can com- complain about how he's being used, because right. he has he has done this to himself. Definitely. Sure. Uh um But uh, <laughs> this is going to be the one bad situation starting to see because um, he's going to be just moping in the in the bullpen and uh, just waiting to pitch in long relief, which may not happen. And the Twins are gonna not gonna be able to find unless unless the, there's a series of injuries across baseball, which could really happen. Yeah. And someone gets so different, desperate for a starter that they'll you know move from Alaska, and the Twins can eat some of the cost.
0: Right. Um, you mentioned uh, Arcia a little while back. Uh, I think it's interesting. I read the piece earlier this year. About you know, kind of his rededication. He's you know working on his body quite a bit. You kind of seeing that from Hughes as well, and maybe a little bit from from Perkins too after you know some injuries, yep. some injuries last season. These are three guys that are pretty you know, especially the two pitchers. But you know, RCA too has a lot of value when he's playing well. What what do you uh, what do you make of the off seasons that that each of those three had, and kind of, kind of some of the effort they're they're putting in at this point to. You know, to, to be more close to, to peak performance and peak fitness?
1: Well, I think in Garcia's uh, situation, he, he was humbled last year by his experience. Um, yeah. he, I think he started the season with the team, yeah. terrible, got injured, and he never, uh, he never returned. I and mean, he went to Rochester and promptly batted 199. Yeah, he was terrible. 199. Right. It was awful. And uh the twins even think about calling him up late in the season. So I think he was humbled. I think that fueled his decision to spend an off season working out, uh, in Fort Myers. He's in fantastic shape. The body is a rock right now. And, you know, as evidenced by him eating yogurt uh, <laughs> yesterday <laughs> that uh he understands that uh he needed the change. And and I sat there and just talked with him. I wasn't interviewing him, but we just talking. Yep. And he went on this long with these streams of consciousness about, you know, last year is bad for me, I made mistakes, I swung at everything. I can't do that anymore. You see, now I'm I'm taking more pitches. I'm hitting the ball off the opposite field. Uh, blah blah blah. And he's done that in camp. He had a game. Where he, he's had a game in spring training where he walked three times in one wow. game. Sure. Almost fell out my chair. <laughs> you know. And and, um, and actually, I'm I'll, I apologize. I'm not sure exactly what day you're running this, so I hate to put days days or days on there. No, this this will this will this
0: will go up in like an hour. So don't worry about it. This oh, this is, this, right. is, so this was, is immediate.
1: I was over at Jet Blue today watching batting practice. Yep. And I see a is just taking easy swings, serving a ball in the left center field. And sure. I'm like, oh my God, this who guy is has this changed. Guy? Yeah, yeah, who has taken over this man's body? Yeah. So uh, I think he was humbled in the change. And I think Perkins and Hughes, uh, um, uh, as a pair, are probably a little frustrated over not being able to answer the barrel bell when the Twins needed them the most on the stretch. Yeah. And I think they're disappointed. Perkins is upset because he's had three years in which he's had some sort of injury issue mm-hmm. late in the season. Mm-hmm. So it forced him to, to re- re-examine what he does during the offseason. What did he do? He left his wife for, for what, eight or nine weeks during the offseason to train down to Fort Myers. Right. Um, he worked on his core. He got his body right. He looks in better shape. And just just to be and uh, just
0: to be clear, he didn't leave his wife <laughs> Alicia. He just <laughs> he went to Florida for a couple of weeks. He, he didn't.
1: Well, he le- he left his family. He left yes. His family in Minnesota. His yes, wife he left them in
0: Minnesota. He didn't leave them. Okay, got it. No, yeah. he,
1: did, he no he didn't pack his bags and say, "Honey, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm sending the right. papers over tomorrow." No, right. No, they're not breaking up. No, right. he elected to spend like nine weeks of his off season in Fort Myers, focusing on training and immersing himself in in his body. Right and. And of course, I I quoted his wife in in the story about it. Yeah. He, he knows that he he this better Please. not going to let him do this again. <laughs> <laughs> so that's added pressure to me for the man enough for for this to come through. So I expect Perkins to bounce back. And then you know Hughes, you know Hughes wasn't a model of super fitness at the end of the year, right. and he had back problems. You know, right. back problems stopped him from doing a lot of things.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: he also addressed his core muscle. And 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 I, and I said this before too, Mike. Um, mm-hmm. In the history of baseball, uh, we have seen people who have not been uh, the models of physical fitness excel well, of in Of course, level. yeah. Uh, after being from a Chicago guy, I watched Lou Wood, you know, pitch for years you know, on the south side, and he had a little bit... Terry Forster, you know, was he was in decent shape with the White Sox, but after he right. left and went to the Braves, he really, you know, porked up. Sure. In the, we're looking at Bartolo Colon right now. C.C. C. Sabathia.
0: Uh, I mean, all these C. guys, C. yeah.
1: So you see he's gained his weight back, by the way. I saw oh, yeah? him pitching in the spring no, game the bad. other day. The weight he lost last year, yeah. it looks like he's gained he, some he of found, that he back. He
0: found it. <laughs> yeah, I think,
1: yeah. I think he I think I think found it. Um so um it's not like you it, it's not like uh you know um uh, you're a super fitness warrior types right. are needed to play baseball. But at the same time we are not producing, when things are going wrong, when you're breaking down uh constantly, then the spotlight gets on you for what you're doing to your body, uh, right. as far as in-season conditioning and off-season workout plans. And I think uh, Perkins and and Hughes, you know, said we got to change. Just can't we can't go on like this. Sure. And for Arcia, it was more production based. I stunk last year. This can't go on. So we're seeing three people live and learn. And sure. isn't that what life is all about? It is, Lavelle. <laughs>
0: it is. <laughs> 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 <What>? <laughs> uh, s- speak- speaking of Hughes, this is kind of interesting to me. Uh, he. You know, I saw a bunch of his tweets from Wednesday night. He he was tweeting from the Elton John concert, and he had a bunch of teammates out with him. I think Ploof, Dozier, and Mauer were all you know in one of the in one of the tweets uh, pictures uh, with Elton John post game. He's organized he's organized like uh, some bachelor viewing parties at his house. I believe the finale is Monday, so uh, that that's got to be a a big thing a big thing coming up. Is he uh, in the absence of? Tory Hunter, who are who are kind of vaca- who who are kind of filling in the uh, clubhouse uh, leadership roles on on this team, and and is that a thing really that that needs to be addressed?
1: Well, I, I think these types of gatherings happen a lot during spring training. Yeah, makes houses. sense. And it's just in the in the Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Periscope <laughs> page that we're in uh-huh. that uh, a lot of them end up out in social media. Good and point. We're just seeing more of them. Yep. Good point. Hughes likes to. He likes to cook. I think he's cooked for the team before. Yep. Uh, I guess he's a pretty good whiz in the in the kitchen. So, um, sorry, ladies, he's taken. A, yeah, he married. just got engaged. Yeah, I know. And I told him the next day, I said, "Why would you complicate your life?" But I couldn't stop <laughs> him. So, anyway, apparently, he's a great cook. Yeah. And um, I think he does these things. But there's always team camar- camaraderie things that happen during spring training. Yeah. Um, they, the twins used to have like once a spring they let them have like the one of the party areas here. Like after a game where, uh, you know, they'll have the grill going and guys could just talk and mingle and have something to eat and just kind of, sure. you know, uh, have, uh, blossom, steam, and enjoy each other's, uh, other's company. So that stuff happens. Um, I don't, I already considered, like, Hughes and Perkins to be kind of the, the leaders of the pitching staff last year. Yeah. They're coming off the year that Hughes did. Uh, sure. did and his personality, I mean, he, he, he's not, I don't know, he, he's an alpha dog. Yeah. But he's a guy, he's like, he's, he's the guy you want for a next-door neighbor. Just a solid individual, sure. well-liked, articulate, smart, funny, and I, I think people gravitate toward him because of that. And I kind of made, had him as a de facto pitching leader last year with, with his buddy Perk. Yeah. And their relationship goes back to the, 20, oh, the 2008 draft, the year that Perkins was drafted, Hughes was drafted by the Yankees. Okay. And they first they first met at Rookie Orientation, I hmm. believe in New York, Okay, and they've been friends ever since. Sure. So uh, this is a relationship that goes back a few years. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the year. And poof was in that draft as well. Um, as far as position players, I, I think I think uh, Brian Dozier is taking the lead on that one. Yeah, that's what it um, seems like to me, too. Yeah, he seems like he's the one who runs the music in the club clubhouse every day. Okay. Uh, he, he reported to camp and immediately put Michael Jackson on, which I thought was a weird selection for first song of spring training. But, yeah, you know, fine. that's what floats his boat, you know. <laughs> so... Um, and know, Tory, you know, Tory you know, Hunter at the Diamond Awards identified Dozier as the one he thinks to take that, over yeah. the leadership, bro. Yeah. So it's it's going to be combo platter. I'm sure Dozier. I'm sure Plouf. You know, has that status. Um, Perkins and 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 uh, Phil Hughes. You know, those four right there probably yeah. are the, the leadership group in the in the clubhouse.
0: More importantly, will the dance parties continue?
1: Don't know, and that's we don't know. Um, I have to check with Dozier. Uh, will he have it? Will he will he have it the same way as it was last year, or will he tweak it? Will Put his it own a different stamp approach? on it. Yeah, it seemed it seemed to me like a guy a little crazy when I see people, you know, going into the locker room after a clubhouse after wins, you know, dressed up as you know, stormtroopers and <laughs> Spider Man. I start huh. getting nervous, you know. So yeah, <laughs> see if they tweak it to have something a little a little less frightening. <laughs>
0: Big question, uh another big question from early on in camp, uh I think we've talked about this on uh, maybe a video a couple of weeks ago, but Maurer um just kind of you know, production has tailed off each each of the last two years uh to the point where he's now basically one of the least productive first basemen in in the majors. Um we we've talked about, you know, he's attributed some of that to you know, some vision problems stemming from the concussions, and that's perfectly understandable, makes perfect sense. How how close to 100% do you think he really is, and how much of his struggles the last couple of years can we attribute to a problem that he feels like maybe he's got under control now?
1: When it comes to Mar, it's hard to figure out when he ever is close to 100%. It seems yeah. like there's always been something going on with him through the years. We're not in his body, so we're not sure what, not sure what he's feeling or right. going through. Um, are we sure that the blurred vision is a sign of uh, the, the concussion, uh, the uh, from the concussion he suffered is it for something else it's because sure. he's getting older which happens to all of us Right? Uh, you know he's wearing shades a lot of us have to start protecting our eyes from the sun as we get older Yep. Um, is, he, is he in that mode I don't know it, it's, it's just a big mystery uh, all we know is that he's not squaring up the wall like he has so mm-hmm. uh, he's trying shades and he's had a couple of hits he's had a couple uh, you know line drive hits so far yeah. he has so much power and, and, and Mike I'm at the I'm at the point now where I would just take Maurer going back to being a slappy single hitter to left center and sure. batting 310 when a 380 on base percentage. Right. He would fit in nicely in this, in this lineup just yeah. being able to do that from the two spots. So yeah. um, I think uh, we just want to see Joe to hit a return instead of trying to make him the Joe Maurer the power hitter. And I know in the last couple of years, uh, he and Tom Bernanski have worked on him trying to take that inside pitch that you know teams have been trying to throw to him yep. and drive it to right field. And he's had some success with it, but not right. consistent. Right, not consistent success, um, right. The one thing I saw, the one thing I saw last year is that team started shifting. They, when they started shifting him two years ago. He had trouble ad- adjusting to it. Mm-hmm. Last year, he adjusted to it, and by the end of the year, they were pretty much playing him straight up uh, in the infield, hmm. but the outfield was still swung over toward the left. Yeah. And where it was the other way, they would, the shortstop over toward the second base bag and have the second yeah. baseman in the hole and then let him hit those tappers to the second base. When he started hitting the ball a little bit on uh, to the left side of the field more, uh, defense has got a little more on it. So I don't know how they're going to play him this year. I'll be curious to see. Yeah. But uh, it, it's been interesting. The, the the vision the vision thing was uh, quite a story. I very disappointed in him for uh, clamming up to the Star Tribune after he had admitted to another publication of his issue. Yeah. Uh, he knows I'm not happy about that. I figured <laughs> I'd give him uh, a fair shake through the years to at least comment on something like that when it happens, but yeah. he didn't. So uh, in, my bu- in my book, he owes me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Interestingly with him, though, I mean, let's say his production doesn't go back up. It's in the same general zone it has been can this this team's got some hitting potential i I don't think it's got a ton of established great hitters yet but it's got some potential that to be a reasonably deep lineup with average to slightly above average hitters can can you keep giving him a a prominent spot in the batting order or at a certain point does does paul molitor have to say "I, i can't keep batting you second or third on reputation you're a six or seven hitter now
1: uh if there's other if there's better options during the season I could. I don't think Molitor would be afraid to address it with Joe but as the season was going on last year although it was one of Mauer's worst offensive seasons he still was like second on the team in on-base percentage right and so in relative to the rest of the lineup right uh, had to be somewhere in the top third of the north. and I think that's the the thinking that Muller is going into the season with this year. Now, if other players evolve and and make it easier for Muller to be dropped for a while, maybe try to light a fire on him to get him going. Right. I, I I think if I think Molitor knows that he could be touching a nerve by doing that to Joe, but for the betterment of the team, I don't think he would be afraid to address it.
0: It's pretty. Uh, it'd be pretty advantageous to have a reasonably high on base guy in the number nine hole.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. W- w- okay. Then. Can you imagine ma- first, second, and third?
0: Imagine. Dude. Imagine that. Imagine a day when when Mauer was batting in the bottom third of the order. It would seem to. It would seem really odd, but I, I I don't think. I think you're right. I think Molitor has the kind of personality and and style, and he showed it last year. He he you know he ruffled some feathers last year with some of uh, some of the hard line decisions he made. I I don't think he would be afraid to do the same thing with Mauer. Although I think it might cause him a little bit more of a of a decision and a pause, uh, uh than, than, it, than it would with some other players.
1: I, I would, I think it would take, uh, I think Maler's approach and his touch with that situation would be a little more delicate than it was with some, has been with some other situations. Right. I and think maybe, he, and maybe he's like, he, he, may he may have to take Maurer out to, uh, to, out for a Juicy Lucy. <laughs> to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to the nook for a Juicy Lucy. And they could each, the nook they could each
0: eat their signature <laughs> sandwiches at the nook.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I don't, uh but I I don't
0: think is totally afraid of that. Uh a few more things then we'll, uh, we'll we'll cut this uh cut this first episode out of here, but uh w- big picture, what are, are, are is this a, is this the contending team in 2016 or did they was there kind of a set of circumstances that maybe allowed them to arrive a, a little bit Early next year, and we should be kind of tempering our uh, our enthusiasm because I kind of kind of go both ways on it. I, I don't know quite what to make of this year's team. Like it felt like last year, even though they got close, it required kind of a subpar American League. It required some breakout performances that might not be repeated. That said, it's right. still it's still an, an intriguing young roster that could certainly get better performances from guys who didn't quite perform last year. So, how how do you assess the overall kind of potential of this just this year's team.
1: Well, I, I think if everything breaks the right way, I think they can win a couple more games than they did this year. It's going to be very interesting to see how Rosario, yeah Sano, and Buxton do in their second the tour of duty yep. in the league. um Rosario, uh, Rosario, and uh, Sano are very promising. Of course, Sano being. Uh, third in the American League Rookie of the Year voting, yep. Buxton took his loss. Can Buxton make the adjustment to be a functional player? Can he bat 260 at least? That means uh, he's raising the hill on the bat base pass if he can hit that much. Right. Um will tell teams teams uh, pitch to Uh Ceno is still running counts 3-2 here. It's amazing. The man knows what he's doing at the, uh, yep. every every other bat 3-2. He's willing to take walks. And Rosario, his plate discipline, I don't see too much improvement. So our team's going to take advantage of that more this year. Right. But I still remember Jim Suhan, our columnist, uh, wrote you know a few weeks ago about if you think about it. They won eighty three games with no one having a career year, uh, with Joe Mara having a terrible year, with Irma Santana uh, missing half the year, season because of a drug right. suspension, Phil Hughes having uh, a setback year, yep. Perkins falling apart late in the season, and they still whatever and playing you know playing musical chairs in the bullpen trying to find people to finish out games, and they still were able to win eighty three games to be relevant into the last weekend of the season. Right. Um, every season stands on its own. Every season is its own story. So you don't know who is going to sell and who is going to fail. As much as we could say, well, another year of Buxton and Snow and, and, and Rosario, they're going to be great. We don't know that for sure. The, right. season, the league may find a flaw and expose the heck out. Um, but can the pitchers have to take the next step? Can Can Gibson be more of a strikeout pitcher? Which to me frontier for him to be a 15 to 17 game winner right um how what other young players are going to contribute during the year i i look at this roster i still think you know it's more talented than a year ago coming out of spring training i like danny santana coming off the bench mm-hmm. i like Garcia coming off the bench as, as the extra outfielder um i think john ryan murphy could help kurt suzuki uh, if, you, if suzuki yep. is willing to play 110 games and let murphy play 50 that can lead to a, a better suzuki so um right. I still think they could win around 83, 84, games, and that would put them you know, in contention. But yeah. I, I say that at the same time with total respect for what the AL Central Division could be. Right. Because uh, the, the the Tigers have made some impressive moves. Uh, the Royals re-signed Alex Gordon, which means that takes 10 points off Maurer's bad average <laughs> immediately because that's where all, all of Maurer's fly balls down the left field line are caught by Alex Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, the Tigers have made improvements. The White Sox have made improvements. I was, I was going to predict t- more turmoil for the White Sox because they had some of the worst outfield defense in baseball last year. Right. And then they go and sign Austin Jackson this week, and that comes to defense. I think. Right. So this is going to be a hell of a division. It could be a bloodbath. and maybe ninety, ninety-two wins wins it, and maybe uh, the Twins at eighty-four wins, you know, can still be in a wild card uh, consideration. But it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough season.
0: Well, that second wild card certainly adds a little dynamic to it. It feels like you you're in the mix in the mid '80s now instead of the the upper '80s, and it, it it probably changes the changes the way that a lot of teams feel, especially as you get towards the uh, trade deadline. One, I want to make one more point, one more interesting kind of positional thing that you just brought I'm up. I'm not a fan. What? No. Not a fan of second. I'm not a wild card?
1: fan of the second wild card. No, I, I know. It's kept more teams in it and yeah. baseball is good for pennant drama. But to me, if you play 162 games, the good team should make the playoffs and the, and the mediocre team should not. And To me, that just allows another mediocre team into the postseason. You know, Which, and, I, yeah. and I really I hate the one-game playoff after you go through a whole season you got to play one game to move on in the postseason. See, I don't like that. That's where I disagree. I, I,
0: I actually—that's the one thing I do like about the second wild card—is that the two wild cards now play each other in the one-game playoff, and then all of a sudden, it's—it's it's a much bigger advantage now to win your division.
1: Well, I see it from that angle. I just don't like the fact that you still have to play another game after going through a full season. You should know yeah. who's good and who's bad.
0: Yeah.
1: And I blame the Twins because they game one sixty-three back to back years. Everybody saw how exciting it was. So here's baseball. Wow, we should just force this every year. Those yeah, games were. We'll add a What have a game one sixty three every year now? More ratings. This is great. So tell you what though, that course. game
0: in two thousand nine. That's the best game I've ever been to. That was awesome.
1: Oh, wow. it's unbelievable. It was absolutely unbelievable. And Carlos Gomez jumping into the air. Yep. After scoring, unbelievable. Great visual uh, snapshots. A snapshot I will never. Forget.
0: It is. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up quick: the the catching battle. You 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 were talking about Suzuki playing 110, Murphy playing 50. I, I'd prefer to see it the other way around, and I hope it's closer to that. Is that not the direction you think it will go this year?
1: All the all the indications I've been given by the Twins is that Suzuki is going to start okay. most of the game. Okay, that they this move was made to help Suzuki, not to move him out of the main starting gig. Okay. Now, as the season goes along, if Suzuki's having a bad year and his defense slips even more, yeah. maybe they'll have to adjust that. But I think they're going sure. into the season. Uh thinking of it it's not a total timeshare. I think Suzuki's gonna end up getting most of the most of okay. the games, but um I think he's gonna give up twenty five or thirty starts, I think. So
0: okay. and John Ryan
1: Murphy looks like he's a solid guy. But the indications I got from Twins officials are that it's not it it John Ryan Murphy's not the starter. No, be at least
0: not yet. I mean, this is the last year of Suzuki's deal, right? This is right. Okay, so right. this is like the, I
1: said. If, if, if we get through, if we get through May, yeah. you know, you use, you use the first two months to see what you have. You use the sure. next two months to make adjustments. Then you use the last two months to go after yeah. whatever you're trying to get after. Right. And if they get into late May and Suzuki's terrible, then they may decide to play Murphy more.
0: Will they have enough bullpen to to get through these first couple months? Will they not to not fall back uh, while they wait for maybe some of these young arms to 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 get. Ready to to contribute is I mean I know it seems like something Molitor is correctly concerned about because you know as as you well know I don't think any of the 162 games are weighted in the standings you don't get more no. you don't get bonus points for the September wins versus the April wins so is is that going to be a concern
1: um, for the manager I think it, c- it can be a little bit of a concern and once again I, I I was an advocate for the Twins adding at least one more decent reliever lefty or righty. Um, during the offseason, yeah. to bring some talent in. And to me, you know, in, improving the talent in your bullpen doesn't come from waiting for your prospects to get ready. It's from bringing in good players and pushing everybody down the depth chart. That's how you build depth. And right. I, I just think they missed a the boat in that regard. Um, but I will also say this is that. Uh, if you need to fix your bullpen, that's probably the easiest position in baseball to right. fix. If you need, if you get to the trade deadline, you need a reliever. You should be able to swing a deal and get relief help. Yeah. Uh, and Kevin Jepson is a fine example of that yeah. because it was kind of an under the radar move. Whenever I was like Kevin Jepson, whatever. Right. Man, the man ended up being the godsend down the stretch. He lineup, did. Taking over the closers role and surging, and now you've got you've got him. You got to think about this too. You have him in May mm-hmm. in the bullpen all year, which. Right. It's actually a sizable improvement from how they started last year. Don't forget Tim Stoff Tim Stoffer was part of his bullpen
0: Ooh, yeah. last year. Yeah. And that was ugly. And so was uh, uh who's who's the guy that actually ended up having a pretty decent year, uh, Blaine Boyer.
1: Yeah, Blaine Boyer had a huge run early in the season and kinda of got shaky as a year one. Yeah. Well. I think he, he was on a deal for a while too. Yeah. So but you notice he didn't when they decided not to bring him back this year, so Well Um yeah. So you got May who can throw. I May threw one pitch at ninety eight miles an hour. Wow. I looked that up the other day. Okay. And uh, Jefferson threw. I think Jefferson threw one at ninety eight too. Okay. Because I, I did the J.R. Graham story, and Graham had half the pitches at ninety seven and above. Wow! Uh, last year, and Jefferson and someone threw twelve. I got. I got to go back and look at that chart. Okay. Because uh, cause you you had the great chart last year about how the Twins threw one pitch at ninety seven miles an hour all season. Yeah. And I went back and checked to see how last year went, and it it improved to like thirty six, okay,
0: or at something least. like that. At least,
1: but there they they were still twenty eighth in baseball. right? <laughs> the the match were the leaders. They threw like over seventeen hundred pitches, <laughs> ninety seven. That's amazing.
0: Pounds. And they I made the, and they I made the, and they made the World Series. I mean, this is it's the uh, evolving. I wanna say this. Yeah, yeah
1: it'll, it'll be great. It'll be great for the Twins to see Nick Bird get off to a fast start because yep. he'll become a factor. Because it's, and, 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 you know, usually when these pitches start first few games, they're still trying to get their arms and their legs under them, yep. and so the velocity kind of picks up as spring goes along and maybe through the first month of the regular season. Yeah. Birdie's already hitting 99 on the gun, sure. and he's hit it about nine times sure. in his outings already, and I'm sitting there looking at numbers attached to the Twins pitcher that I've never seen attached, Yep. so uh, it would be entertaining to see Nick Birdie up here if uh, if he gets off to a fast start at Chattanooga or Rochester wherever he starts the season that
0: well we'll see how these next uh, few weeks of spring play out leading into the regular season and uh we will have much much more to talk about as uh as the uh, twins insider podcast evolves and uh grows we're going to try to do this every week uh, at least through the uh, rest of the season and uh we'll see uh, we'll see where things go from there lavelle thank you so much for being the uh, the first uh first co-host uh, i think we'll try we're going to try phil miller next week and kind of see uh, we we'll kind of pitch you guys into a battle in a battle royale, uh, winner takes all. No, we'll probably just rotate you guys every week just to get some uh, fresh voices and uh, ideas into this mix. But, uh, Lavelle, good stuff it, today. Thanks, man.
1: It'll be interesting. Did I did I set the ceiling or did I set the floor? We'll find <laughs> out next week. We'll
0: <laughs> <still> come <on. laughs> Awesome, man. Have fun in Florida. Take care. All right, take it easy. All right, thanks.